Chapter Five of Wild Animals I Have Known by Ernest Thompson Seton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter Five: The Springfield Fox. The hens had been mysteriously disappearing for over a month, and when I came home to Springfield for the summer holidays, it was my duty to find the cause. This was soon done. The fowls were carried away bodily one at a time before going to roost or else after leaving, which put tramps and neighbors out of court. They were not taken from the high perches, which cleared all coons and owls, or left partly eaten, so that weasels, skunks, or minks were not the guilty ones, and the blame, therefore, was surely left at Reynard's door. The great pine wood of Arundel was on the other bank of the river, and on looking carefully about the lower ford I saw a few fox tracks and a barred feather from one of our Plymouth Rock chickens. On climbing the farther bank in search of more dews, I heard a great outcry of crows behind me, and turning, saw a number of these birds darting down at something in the ford. A better view showed that it was the old story, thief catch thief, for there in the middle of the ford was a fox, with something in his jaws. He was returning from our barnyard with another hen. The crows, though shameless robbers themselves, are ever first to cry, Stop thief, and yet more than ready to take hush-money in the form of a share in the plunder. And this was their game now. The fox, to get back home, must cross the river, where he was exposed to the full brunt of the crow mob. He made a dash for it, and would doubtless have gotten across with his booty had I not joined in the attack, whereupon he dropped the hen, scarce dead, and disappeared into the woods. This large and regular levy of provisions, wholly carried off, could mean but one thing, a family of little foxes at home, and to find them I was now bound. That evening I went with Ranger, my hound, across the river into the Arendale woods. As soon as the hound began to circle, we heard the short, sharp bark of a fox from a thickly wooded ravine close by. Ranger dashed in at once, struck a hot scent, and went off on a lively straightaway till his voice was lost in the distance away over the upland after nearly an hour he came back panting and warm for it was baking august weather and lay down at my feet but almost immediately the same foxy yep yer was heard close at hand and off dashed the dog on another chase away he went in the darkness baying like a foghorn straight away to the north and the loud boo boo became a low oo oo and then a feeble o o and then was lost they must have gone some miles away for even with ear to the ground i heard nothing of them though a mile was easy distance for ranger's brazen voice as i waited in the black woods i heard a sweet sound of dripping water tink tank tank tink ta tink tank tank tonk i did not know of any spring so near and in the hot night it was a glad find but the sound led me to the bough of an oak tree where i found its source such a soft sweet song full of delightful suggestion on such a night tonk tank tank tink ta tink a tonk a tank a tink a ta ta tink tank ta ta tonk tink drink a tank a drink a drunk it was the water dripping song of the saw wet owl but suddenly a deep raucous breathing and a rustle of leaves showed that ranger was back he was completely fagged out his tongue hung almost to the ground and was dripping with foam his flanks were heaving and spume flecks dribbled from his breast and sides he stopped panting a moment to give my hand a dutiful lick then flung himself flop on the leaves to drown all other sounds with his noisy panting but again that tantalizing yap yer was heard a few feet away and the meaning of it all dawned on me we were close to the den where the little foxes were and the old ones were taking turns in trying to lead us away 
It was late night now, so we went home feeling sure that the problem was nearly solved. It was well known that there was an old fox with his family living in the neighborhood, but no one supposed them so near. The fox had been called Scarface because of a scar reaching from his eye through and back of his ear, and this was supposed to have been given him by a barbed wire fence during a rabbit hunt, and as the hair came in white after it healed it was always a strong mark. The winter before I had met with him and had had a sample of his craftiness. I was out shooting, after a fall of snow, and had crossed the open fields to the edge of the brushy hollow back of the old mill. As my head rose to a view of the hollow I caught sight of a fox trotting at long range down the other side, in line to cross my course. Instantly I held motionless, and did not even lower or turn my head lest I should catch his eye by moving, until he went on out of sight in the thick cover at the bottom. As soon as he was hidden, I bobbed down and ran to head him off where he should leave the cover on the other side, and was there in good time awaiting, but no fox came forth. A careful look showed the fresh track of a fox that had bounded from the cover, and following it with my eye, I saw old Scarface himself far out of range behind me, sitting on his haunches and grinning as though much amused. A study of the trail made all clear. He had seen me at the moment I saw him, but he, also like a true hunter, had concealed the fact, putting on an air of unconcern till out of sight, when he had run for his life around behind me and amused himself by watching my stillborn trick. In the springtime I had yet another instance of Scarface's cunning. I was walking with a friend along the road over the high pasture. We passed within thirty feet of a ridge on which were several gray and brown boulders. When at the nearest point my friend said, Stone number three looks to me very much like a fox curled up. But I could not see it, and we passed. We had not gone many yards farther when the wind blew on this boulder as on fur. My friend said, I am sure that is a fox, lying asleep. We'll soon settle that, I replied, and turned back, but as soon as I had taken one step from the road, up jumped Scarface, for it was he, and ran. A fire had swept the middle of the pasture, leaving a broad belt of black. Over this he scurried till he came to the unburnt yellow grass again, where he squatted down and was lost to view. He had been watching us all the time, and would not have moved had we kept to the road. The wonderful part of this is, not that he resembled the round stones and dry grass, but that he knew he did, and was ready to profit by it. We soon found that it was Scarface and his wife Vixen that had made our woods their home and our barnyard their base of supplies. Next morning a search in the pine showed a great bank of earth that had been scratched up within a few months. It must have come from a hole, and yet there was none to be seen. It is well known that a really cute fox, on digging a new den, brings all the earth out at the first hole made, but carries on a tunnel into some distant thicket. Then closing up for good the first made and too well-marked door, uses only the entrance hidden in the thicket. So after a little search at the other side of a knoll, I found the real entry and good proof that there was a nest of little foxes inside. Rising above the brush on the hillside was a great hollow basswood. It leaned a good deal and had a large hole at the bottom and a smaller one at top. We boys had often used this tree in playing Swiss Family Robinson, and by cutting steps in its soft, punky walls had made it easy to go up and down in the hollow. Now it came in handy, for next day when the sun was warm I went there to watch, and from this perch on the roof I soon saw the interesting family that lived in the cellar nearby. There were four little foxes. They looked curiously like little lambs, with their woolly coats, their long, thick legs, and innocent expressions, and yet a second glance at their broad, sharp-nosed, sharp-eyed visages showed that each of these innocents was the makings of a crafty old fox. They played about, basking in the sun, or wrestling with each other till a slight sound made them scurry underground. But their alarm was needless, for the cause of it was their mother. 
she stepped out from the bushes bringing another hen number seventeen as i remember a low call from her and the little fellows came tumbling out then began a scene that i thought charming but which my uncle would not have enjoyed at all they rushed on the hen and tussled and fought with it and each other while the mother keeping a sharp eye for enemies looked on it with fond delight the expression on her face was remarkable it was first a gritting of delight but her usual look of wildness and cunning was there nor were cruelty and nervousness lacking but over all was the unmistakable look of the mother's pride and love the base of my tree was hidden in bushes and much lower than the knoll where the den was so i could come and go at will without scaring the foxes for many days i went there and saw much of the training of the young ones they early learned to turn to statuette sound and then on hearing it again or finding other cause to fear to run for shelter some animals have so much mother love that it overflows and benefits outsiders not so old vixen it would seem her pleasure in the cubs led to most refined cruelty for she often brought home to them mice and birds alive and with diabolic gentleness would avoid doing them serious hurt so that the cubs might have larger scope to torment them there was a woodchuck that lived over in the hill orchard he was neither handsome nor interesting but he knew how to take care of himself he had dug a den between the roots of an old pine stump so that the foxes could not follow him by digging but hard work was not their way of life wits they believed worth more than elbow grease this woodchuck usually sunned himself on the stump each morning if he saw a fox near he went down in the door of his den or if the enemy was very near he went inside and stayed long enough for the danger to pass one morning vixen and her mate seemed to decide that it was time the children knew something about the broad subject of woodchucks and further that this orchard woodchuck would serve nicely for an object lesson so they went together to the orchard fence unseen by old chucky on his stump scarface then showed himself in the orchard and quietly walked in a line so as to pass by the stump at a distance but never once turned his head or allowed the ever watchful woodchuck to think himself seen when the fox entered the field the woodchuck quietly dropped into the mouth of his den here he waited as the fox passed but concluding that after all wisdom is the better part went into his hole this was what the foxes wanted vixen had kept out of sight but now ran swiftly to the stump and hid behind it scarface had kept straight on going very slowly the woodchuck had not been frightened so before long his head popped up between the roots and he looked around there was that fox still going on farther and farther away the woodchuck grew bold as the fox went and came out farther and then seeing the coast clear he scrambled on to the stump and with one spring vixen had him and shook him till he lay senseless scarface had watched out of the corner of his eye and now came running back but vixen took the chuck in her jaws and made for the den so he saw he wasn't needed back to the den came vix and carried the chuck so carefully that he was able to struggle a little when she got there a low woof at the den brought the little fellows out like schoolboys to play she threw the wounded animal to them and they set on him like four little furies uttering little growls and biting little bites with all the strength of their baby jaws but the woodchuck fought for his life and beating them off slowly hobbled to the shelter of a thicket the little ones pursued like a pack of hounds and dragged at his tail and flanks but could not hold him back so vixen overtook him with a couple of bounds and dragged him again into the open for the children to worry again and again this rough sport went on till one of the little ones was badly bitten and his squeal of pain roused vix to end the woodchuck's misery and serve him up at once not far from the den was a hollow overgrown with coarse grass the playground of a colony of field mice the earliest lesson in woodcraft that the little ones took away from the den was in this hollow here they had their first course of mice the easiest of all game in teaching the main thing was example aided by a deep-set instinct 
the old fox also had one or two signs meaning lie still and watch come do as i do and so on that were much used so the merry lot went to this hollow one calm evening and mother fox made them lie still in the grass presently a faint squeak showed that the game was astir vix rose up and went on tiptoe into the grass not crouching but as high as she could stand sometimes on her hind legs so as to get a better view the runs that the mice follow are hidden under the grass tangle and the only way to know the whereabouts of a mouse is by seeing the slight shaking of the grass which is the reason why mice are hunted only on calm days and the trick is to locate the mouse and seize him first and see him afterward vix soon made a spring and in the middle of the bunch of dead grass that she grabbed was a field mouse squeaking his last squeak he was soon gobbled and the four little awkward foxes tried to do the same as their mother and when at length the eldest for the first time in his life caught game he quivered with excitement and ground his pearly little milk teeth into the mouse with a rush of inborn savageness that must have surprised even himself another home lesson was on the red squirrel one of these noisy vulgar creatures lived close by and used to waste part of each day scolding the foxes from some safe perch the cubs made many vain attempts to catch him as he ran across their glade from one tree to another or spluttered and scolded at them a foot or so out of reach but old vixen was up in natural history she knew squirrel nature and took the case in hand when the proper time came she hid the children and lay down flat in the middle of the open glade the saucy low-minded squirrel came and scolded as usual but she moved no hair he came nearer and at last right overhead to chatter you brute you you brute you but vix lay as dead this was very perplexing so the squirrel came down the trunk and peeping about made a nervous dash across the grass to another tree again to scold from safe perch you brute you you useless brute scar scar but flat and lifeless on the grass lay vix this was most tantalizing to the squirrel he was naturally curious and disposed to be venturesome so again he came to the ground and scurried across the glade nearer than before still as death lay vix surely she was dead and the little foxes began to wonder if their mother wasn't asleep but the squirrel was working himself into a little craze of foolhardy curiosity he had dropped a piece of bark on vix's head he had used up his list of bad words and he had done it all over again without getting a sign of life so after a couple more dashes across the glade he ventured within a few feet of the really watchful vix who sprang to her feet and pinned him in a twinkling and the little ones picked the bones eo thus the rudiments of their education were laid and afterward as they grew stronger they were taken farther afield to begin the higher branches of trailing and scenting for each kind of prey they were taught a way to hunt for every animal has some great strength or it could not live and some great weakness or others could not live the squirrel's weakness was foolish curiosity the fox's that he can't climb up a tree and the training of little foxes was all shaped to take advantage of the weaknesses of the other creatures and to make up for their own by defter play where they are strong from their parents they learned the chief axioms of the fox world how is not easy to say but that they learned this in company with their parents was clear here are some that the foxes taught me without saying a word never sleep on your straight track your nose is before your eyes then trust it first a fool runs down the wind running rills cure many ills never take the open if you can keep the cover never leave a straight trail if a crooked one will do if it's strange it's hostile dust and water burn the scent never hunt mice in a rabbit woods or rabbits in a henyard keep off the grass 
Inklings of the meanings of these were already entering the little one's minds. Thus, never follow what you can't smell was wise. They could see, because if you can't smell it, then the wind is so that it must smell you. One by one, they learned the birds and beasts of their home woods, and then as they were able to go abroad with their parents, they learned new animals. They were beginning to think they knew the secret of everything that moved. But one night, the mother took them to a field where there was a strange black flat thing on the ground. She brought them on purpose to smell it, but at the first whiff, their every hair stood on end. They trembled. They knew not why. It seemed to tingle through their blood and fill them with instinctive hate and fear. And when she saw its full effect, she told them, that is man-scent. Meanwhile, the hens continued to disappear. I had not betrayed the den of cubs. Indeed, I thought a good deal more of the little rascals than I did of the hens, but Uncle was dreadfully wrought up and made most disparaging remarks about my woodcraft. To please him, I one day took the hound across the woods, and seating myself on a stump on the open hillside, I bade the dog go on. Within three minutes he sang out in the tongue all hunters know so well, Fox, 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 straight away down the valley. After a while I heard them coming back. There I saw the fox, Scarface, loping lightly across the river bottom to the stream. In he went and trotted along in the shallow water near the margin for two hundred yards, then came out straight toward me. Though in full view he saw me not, but came up the hill watching over his shoulder for the hound. Within ten feet of me he turned and sat with his back to me while he craned his neck and showed an eager interest in the doings of the hound. Ranger came bawling along the trail till he came to the running water, the killer of scent, and here he was puzzled, but there was only one thing to do, that was by going up and down both banks, find where the fox had left the river. The fox before me shifted his position a little to get a better view, and watched with a most human interest all the circling of the hound. He was so close that I saw the hair of his shoulder bristle a little when the dog came in sight. I could see the jumping of his heart on his ribs, and the gleam of his yellow eye. When the dog was wholly balked by the water trick, it was comical to see. He could not sit still, but rocked up and down in glee, and reared on his hind feet to get a better view of the slow plodding hound. With mouth opened nearly to his ears, though not at all winded, he panted noisily for a moment, or rather he laughed gleefully, just as a dog laughs by grinning and panting. Old Scarface wriggled in huge enjoyment as the hound puzzled over the trail so long that when he did find it it was so stale he could barely follow it, and did not feel justified in tonguing on it at all. As soon as the hound was working up the hill the fox quietly went into the woods. I had been sitting in plain view only ten feet away, but I had the wind and kept still, and the fox never knew that his life had for twenty minutes been in the power of the foe he most feared. Ranger also would have passed me as near as the fox, but I spoke to him, and with a little nervous start he quit the trail, and looking sheepish, lay down by my feet. This little comedy was played with variations for several days, but it was all in plain view from the house across the river. My uncle, impatient at the daily loss of hens, went out himself, sat on the open knoll, and when old Scarface trotted to his lookout to watch the dull hound on the river fiat below, my uncle remorselessly shot him in the back at the very moment when he was grinning over a new triumph. But still the hens were disappearing. My uncle was wrathy. He determined to conduct the war himself, and sowed the woods with poison baits, trusting to luck that our own dogs would not get them. He indulged in contemptuous remarks on my bygone woodcraft, and went out evenings with a gun and the two dogs to see what he could destroy. Vix knew right well what a poisoned bait was. She passed them by, or else treated them with active contempt, but one she dropped down the hole of an old enemy, a skunk, who was never afterwards seen. Formerly, old Scarface was always ready to take charge of the dogs and keep them out of mischief. 
but now that vix had the whole burden of the brood she could no longer spend time in breaking every track to the den and was not always at hand to meet and mislead the foes that might be coming too near the end is easily foreseen ranger followed a hot trail to the den and spot the fox terrier announced that the family was at home and then did his best to go in after them the whole secret was now out and the whole family doomed the hired man came around with a pick and shovel to dig them out while we and the dogs stood by old vix soon showed herself in the near woods and led the dogs away off down the river where she shook them off when she thought proper by the simple device of springing on a sheep's back the frightened animal ran for several hundred yards then vix got off knowing that there was now a hopeless gap in the scent and returned to the den but the dogs baffled by the break in the trail soon did the same to find vix hanging about in despair vainly trying to decoy us away from her treasures meanwhile patty plied both pick and shovel with vigor and effect the yellow gravelly sand was heaping on both sides and the shoulders of the sturdy digger were sinking below the level after an hour's digging enlivened by frantic rushes of the dogs after the old fox who hovered near in the woods pat called here they are sot it was the den at the end of the burrow and cowering as far back as they could were the four little woolly cubs before i could interfere a murderous blow from the shovel and a sudden rush for the fierce little terrier ended the lives of three the fourth and smallest was barely saved by holding him by his tail high out of reach of the excited dogs he gave one short squeal and his poor mother came at the cry and circled so near that she would have been shot but for the accidental protection of the dogs who somehow always seemed to get between and whom she once more led away on a fruitless chase the little one saved alive was dropped into a bag where he lay quite still his unfortunate brothers were thrown back into their nursery bed and buried under a few shovelfuls of earth we guilty ones that went back into the house and the little fox was soon chained in the yard no one knew just why he was kept alive but in all a change of feeling had set in and the idea of killing him was without a supporter he was a pretty little fellow like a cross between a fox and a lamb his woolly visage and form were strangely lamb-like and innocent but one could find in his yellow eyes a gleam of cunning and savageness as unlamb-like as it possibly could be as long as any one was near he crouched sullen and cowed in his shelter-box and it was a full hour after being left alone before he ventured to look out my window now took the place of the hollow bass wood a number of hens of the breed he knew so well were about the cub in the yard late that afternoon as they strayed near the captive there was a sudden rattle of the chain and the youngster dashed at the nearest one and would have caught him but for the chain which brought him up with a sudden jerk he got on his feet and slunk back to his box and though he afterward made several rushes he so gauged his leap as to win or fail within the length of the chain and never again was brought up by its cruel jerk as night came down the little fellow became very uneasy sneaking out of his box but going back at each slight alarm tugging at his chain or at times biting it in fury while he held it down with his forepaws suddenly he paused as though listening then raising his little black nose he poured out a short quavering cry once or twice this was repeated the time being occupied in worrying the chain and running about then an answer came the far away yap yur of the old fox a few minutes later a shadowy form appeared on the woodpile the little one slunk into his box but at once returned and ran to meet his mother with all the gladness that a fox could show quick as a flash she seized him and turned to bear him away by the road she came but the moment the end of the chain was reached the cub was rudely jerked from the old one's mouth and she scared by the opening of a window fled over the woodpile an hour afterward the cub had ceased to run about or cry i peeped out and by the light of the moon saw the form of the mother at full length on the ground by the little one gnawing at something the clank of iron told what 
it was that cruel chain and tip the little one meanwhile was helping himself to a warm drink on my going out she fled into the dark woods but there by the shelter box were two little mice bloody and still warm food for the cub brought by the devoted mother and in the morning i found the chain was very bright for a foot or two next to the little one's collar on walking across the woods to the ruined den i again found signs of vixen the poor heartbroken mother had come and dug out the bedraggled bodies of her little ones there lay the three little baby foxes all licked smooth now and by them were two of our hens fresh killed the newly heaved earth was printed all over with tell-tale signs signs that told me here by the side of her dead she had watched like rispa here she had brought their usual meal the spoil of her nightly hunt here she had stretched herself beside them and vainly offered them their natural drink and yearned to feed and warm them as of old but only stiff little bodies under their soft wool she found and little cold noses still and unresponsive a deep impress of elbows breasts and hocks showed where she had laid in silent grief and watched them for long and mourned as a wild mother can mourn for its young but from that time she came no more to the ruined den for now she surely knew that her little ones were dead tip the captive the weakling of the brood was now the heir to all her love the dogs were loosed to guard the hens the hired men had orders to shoot the old fox on sight so had i but was resolved never to see her chicken heads that a fox loves and a dog will not touch had been poisoned and scattered through the woods and the only way to the yard where tip was tied was by climbing the woodpile after braving all other dangers and yet each night old vix was there to nurse her baby and bring it fresh killed hens and game again and again i saw her although she came now without awaiting the querulous cry of the captive the second night of the captivity i heard the rattle of the chain and then made out that the old fox was there hard at work digging a hole by the little one's kennel when it was deep enough to half bury her she gathered into it all the slack of the chain and filled it again with earth then in triumph thinking she had gotten rid of the chain she seized a little tip by the neck and turned to dash off up the woodpile but alas only to have him jerked roughly from her grasp poor little fellow he whimpered sadly as he crawled into his box after half an hour there was a great cry among the dogs and by their straightaway tonguing through the far wood i knew they were chasing vix away up north they went in the direction of the railway and their noise faded from hearing next morning the hound had not come back we soon knew why the foxes long ago learned what a railroad is they soon devised several ways of turning it to account one way is when hunted to walk the rails for long distance just before a train comes the scent always poor on iron is destroyed by the train and there is always a chance of hounds being killed by the engine but another way more sure but harder to play is to lead the hounds straight into a high trestle just ahead of the train so that the engine overtakes them on it and they are surely dashed to destruction this trick was skillfully played and down below we found the mangled remains of old ranger and learned that vix was already wreaking her revenge that same night she returned to the yard before spot's weary limbs could bring him back and killed another hen and brought it to tip and stretched her panting length beside him that he might quench his thirst for she seemed to think he had no food but what she brought it was that hen that betrayed to my uncle the nightly visits my own sympathies were all turning to vix and i would have no hand in planning further murders next night my uncle himself watched gun in hand for an hour then when it became cold and the moon clouded over he remembered other important business elsewhere and left patty in his place but patty was uneasy as the stillness and anxiety of watching worked on his nerves and the loud bang bang an hour later left us sure only powder had been burned in the morning we found vix had not failed her young one again next night found my uncle on guards for another hen had been taken 
Soon after dark a single shot was heard, but Vix dropped the game she was bringing and escaped. Another attempt made that night called forth another gunshot. Yet next day it was seen by the brightness of the chain that she had come again and vainly tried for hours to cut that hateful bond. Such courage and staunch fidelity were bound to win respect, if not toleration. At any rate, there was no gunner in wait next night when all was still. Could it be of any use? Driven off thrice with gunshots, would she make another try to feed or free her captive young one? Would she? Hers was a mother's love. There was but one to watch them this time, the fourth night, when the quavering whine of the little one was followed by that shadowy form above the woodpile. But carrying no fowl or food that could be seen. Had the keen huntress failed at last? Had she no head of game for this her only charge, or had she learned to trust his captors for his food? No, far from all this. The wild wood mother's heart and hate were true. Her only thought had been to set him free. All means she knew she tried, and every danger braved to tend him well and help him be free. But all have failed. Like a shadow she came, and in a moment was gone, and Tip seized on something dropped, and crunched and chewed with relish what she brought. But even as he ate, a knife-like pang shot through, and a scream of pain escaped him. Then there was a momentary struggle, and the little fox was dead. The mother's love was strong in Vix, but a higher thought was stronger. She knew right well the poison's power, she knew the poison bait, and would have taught him, had he lived, to know and shun it too. But now at last, when she must choose for him a wretched prisoner's life or sudden death, she quenched the mother in her breast and freed him by the one remaining door. It is when the snow is on the ground that we take the census of the woods, and when the winter came it told me that Vix no longer roamed the woods of Arundale. Where she went it never told, but only this, that she was gone gone perhaps to some other far-off haunt to leave behind the sad remembrance of her myrtled little ones and mate or gone maybe deliberately from the scene of a sorrowful life as many a wild wood mother has gone by the means that she herself had used to free her young one the last of all her brood End of chapter five